Hey, what's up, guys? It's Scott. Welcome to episode number 148 this week with my special guest, Ray Tulaney. Welcome to the new revolution in fitness and performance, the Ardella Training Podcast, forging athletic bodies around the world. Here's your host, physical therapist and strength coach, Scott Ardella. All right, guys, welcome to episode number 148 of the Ardella Training Podcast. This week, I have Ray Tulaney, who is a fellow podcaster. Ray's joining me, and we had a great chat. I know you're going to love this interview. I'll tell you more about Ray in just a minute. First, I want to take a minute and wish you a happy Thanksgiving this week. This is Thanksgiving week here in the United States, and I just wanted to wish you a happy holiday if you're here in the United States. And I know that I am definitely thankful for so many great things this year. I hope that you can take some time out and appreciate all the great things in your life as well. Gratitude is a very powerful thing. Now, a few quick things here before we get started. Next week on the show, I'll announce the winners of the book giveaway. I have three winners to announce for the new Dan John book before we go. If you haven't heard the interview that I did last week with Dan John, make sure that you go back and check that out. It was a really fantastic interview. And uh, stay tuned for next week, and I'll announce the winners to that book giveaway. And thanks for the great podcast reviews so far. I appreciate it, and it greatly helps to build the show. So thank you so much. If you enjoy the Ardello Training Podcast, please take a minute and drop in a quick review on iTunes or Stitcher. It's fast and easy. Now, we are just about three weeks away from my book release, The Edge of Strength, which comes out on December the 15th. I'm really excited about this, and I'll have many more details between now and and the 15th. Now, I do want to tell you that the book is big picture. It's my philosophy, my methodology. It pulls together the key things that I've learned through all my years of training and offers some new, unique insights and concepts about strength and performance training. I'm really, really excited about the new book. Now, there was so much content and information in the book that we actually had to cut out some of the chapters. The book was over 400 pages So we had to trim things down and uh, (laughs) it's pretty wild. I mean, it's amazing to think that I was able to put that much information down on paper, but there's so much big picture stuff that I wanted to talk about that uh, (laughs) we had to trim it down a little bit. And I do want to let you know that this is not the only book for me. This is not a one and done deal. This is only my first book. But because it's so big picture, it's probably the hardest book that I'll ever write because I wanted to cover so much. But it's not the only book, and I'm definitely going to have more books to follow up on the concepts that I talk about in The Edge of Strength. So I'm really, really excited about it. By the way, you can pre-order the book on Amazon right now. And if you go to ardellatraining.com forward slash book, there's more information and the direct links to the book on that page. Again, you go to ardellatraining.com forward slash book. Also, I wanted to mention, make sure you go to ardellatraining.com forward slash join to become part of the Ardella Training community and get immediate access to valuable training guides, workouts, and training resources, and the latest news and updates on the book release. So I'd love for you to become part of the Ardella Training community at ardellatraining.com forward slash join. Now, in this week's episode, I have Ray Tulaney. Ray is the host of of the Super Strength Show on iTunes, Stitcher, and other podcast platforms. And I was very honored to be on Ray's show not too long ago. 
The Super Strength Show is a strength and conditioning podcast dedicated to the world of physical culture. Ray has interviewed many of the top fitness experts and leaders in the industry, and his mission is the same as mine, to help educate and inspire people to train better, train smarter, and to optimize results. Now, we have shared some of the same guests on our shows, but what you have to remember is that we all have different styles, we ask different questions, and we all have different conversations. And I say this because while we have had similar guests, the discussions are completely different. And that's what makes podcasting so cool and such a great platform is because all of these conversations are very different. Ray does a great job with his show, and uh, he's had some phenomenal guests on his podcast. So uh, in this interview, it's a little bit different, though, because you get to hear his approach to training. You get to hear about his favorite training tools, how his training has evolved, who his biggest influences were and are, why he does a super strength show, and so much more, of course. So I think this is a really interesting interview because now Ray is on the other side, and it's always very different being on the other side of these interviews. And I can say that being interviewed now on several different podcasts as well. So with that, let's get into this week's interview with Ray. I think you're really going to enjoy it. And uh, let's dig into the session this week. All right, guys, joining me today is fellow podcaster Ray Tulaney of the Super Strength Show. And I can tell you right now, we're going to have some fun with his interview. So Ray, thank you so much for being here today, man. Actually, thank you. I really appreciate being on the show. Absolutely. And I'm looking forward to learning about your training approach and, and your background, because I don't know if I've ever heard that story. So let's start off with that right out of the gate. So what was your first experience in training? How did you get started in training? Well, I remember watching one of my cousins who was living with us. He had immigrated over and uh, he was fresh out of the military and he had a passion for training. And uh, I used to sit and watch him train. He, uh, had, he, you know, he was working with my father and he asked my father if he could get him a, a weight set one of those old school cement, you know, plastic weight sets. Yeah. He had the little bench and ah, man, I mean, he worked at, he worked up to some, you know, pretty decent poundages, you know, they weren't massive and I have no idea how he didn't kill himself on that bench. Um, and I used to sit and watch him and I would want to train. And at this point, you know, I was obviously younger and, uh, he's got a few years on me. Uh, probably I would say, say a good 10 years probably is what he's got on me. Yeah. About 10 years. All right. So, he had pretty much reached his full height and he was shorter. So he would always say to me, no, 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 no. You're too young to lift. You don't want to end up like me. And he would say, I know this is not politically correct, but whatever. He'd say, you don't want to be a midget like me. All right. Now he's not that short, but I mean, you know, he is shorter. So he, he would keep me away from training. And he, I just, sit, he's like, just sit and watch and learn. So sure enough, whenever he would go off to work, you know, I'd sneak in to the room, you know, Jimmy, the door open and I'd be in there and I'd be training. And, and I mean, I didn't know what I was doing. Sure. I do like, 80 reps, hundred reps, curls, right? My <laughs> arms would be rode off for like a week. Nice. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, that kind of was my first taste of training. Nice. Well, you know, going back to the cement filled weight set, it's really funny you mentioned that because that is actually my story. And I've told this story several times, but that was my first experience with training, you know, in my basement with those old, uh, cement filled weight sets, you know, I had a bench, you know, and I focused on bench pressing and, curls like most kids. It sounds yeah, like you yeah. did too. So <laughs> that's pretty yeah, wild. Well, I, you know, I've somewhat come full circle and, um, you know, I'm back to training, you know, my own place. And, uh, I mean, but you know, I'm slightly above and beyond just plastic cement and yeah. filled weights. 
Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's interesting how things kind of work out. Absolutely. So how long have you been in the industry and tell us a little bit about what you do right now? Okay. In terms of training or? Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, I mean, I've been training, you know, you say in the industry, like I'm not, you know, somebody who's going to all the shows and, and you know, got pictures of myself all over the place and, you know, killing the selfie stick. It's not you know, <laughs> right. really my thing. I, I, yeah. I don't know. I may have to do that for some, you know, social media purposes and whatnot uh, for the podcast. Uh, but, uh, you know, I've been training for uh, quite a while. I mean, I really got serious about it um, probably right around the end of high school. I started becoming more serious. Now, that does not mean that I was doing things correctly at that time, but that's when I started to take things a little bit more serious. Sure. Um, so for me, it's been, you know, I've been going at this longer than, you know, something like 15, 17 years, uh, something in that ballpark in how would, one form or another. Yeah. So I was just, I'm sorry, but how are you, how would you describe your training today? So you talk okay. about how, when you started, but what do you focus on today? I mean, is it more strength? Is it more muscle building? Yeah. My, my training is a bit of an eclectic mix. Yeah. So, you know, I was kind of uh, amused when CrossFit caught on. Um, I don't really train like CrossFit per se, but the concept of utilizing various training methodologies and, and methods of training and exercises and equipment, that's something I've been doing for a while. Um, and I have to be upfront and say that I, this came to me through an interesting path. I had learned of Brooke. Cubic's uh, book, Dinosaur Training. And that's where I got my quote unquote education okay? right. when it came to the history. You know, I learned my history. That's a better way of saying it, of the iron game. And that gave me a really tremendous appreciation of what's possible and what it is that we're taking part in every time we go to train. And it does have quite the history to it. It's very interesting. Um, and that introduced to me the concept of physical culture. And physical culture back in the day wasn't just limited to one form of training. Now, some people will say that's because you didn't necessarily have powerlifting, bodybuilding, Olympic weightlifting in the early days. And that's true, but Olympic weightlifting and bodybuilding, they kind of split off from each other relatively quickly. But physical culturists, for the most part, they basically did everything. Everything from, again, powerlifting, Olympic weightlifting, bodybuilding, you know, bending steel, uh, endurance events, wrestling. So they had this big mix. So I went from Brooks Kubik's book, which focuses more on the strength aspect of things, uh, traditional barbell lifting, standing on your feet, really effective barbell lifting, grip work. And then I came, you know, I came across Matt Fury, who had a book called Combat Conditioning. Now I had, you know, some background in martial arts and I, and I was not, you know, the concept of calisthenics and bodyweight exercises were not unfamiliar to me. I had just thought that those were beginner type movements, stuff that you did like you know, in PE class or in gym class when you were younger in, in, in elementary class. And then as you work your way up, you get into more, you know, advanced lifts, which, you know, are like weightlifting, right? Of one form or another with a barbell. Um, but I realized when I was reading through Matt Fury stuff, uh, I realized very quickly that, yeah, this stuff was extremely effective at helping us in the realm of, you know, our martial arts and even in sports, right? You do a lot of body weight type of movements uh, for training. So I said to myself, okay, I want to combine the two because I had gotten to the point where I'd focus on strength so much and on putting on size. Uh, I became something which I was not used to, which was basically, you know, I started to get fat, which was very abnormal for me to be fat. I wasn't naturally, you know, fat for the most part. Uh, and I just, I had no gas. 
I mean, I got to be honest. I was a tub, man. That, that was not good. You know, now I want to get it clear. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't from the Nutty Professor or anything like that. You know, I wasn't Professor Clump. But still, <laughs> right. you know, I noticed it when I was going upstairs and stuff like that and running around. And I did not like that because, yeah. Yeah. you know, I never had that issue. So I tried to combine the two. And that was an interesting experiment as I was trying to figure that stuff all out. Redlining everything I could. You know, odd object lifting, uh, power rack lifting, uh, partial lifting, barbell lifting, grip work, body weight training, trying to mix it all together. And all of a sudden I come across a guy who, you know, was affiliated. Well, not affiliated, but, you know, Brooks Kubik and Matt Fury, they all kind of were in the same kind of circle. Right. Which was Bud Jeffries. And he was this enormous power lifter. Like, yeah. I mean, he got to the point where when he weighed himself, he had to go to the scrapyard because his scales they didn't go up this high. Like, I mean, he was like over 400 pounds, okay? Big guy. And I mean, he looked like he was over 400 pounds. He was yeah. massive, massive arms, shoulders, back. But I mean, sure. you know, I mean, he had a huge, you know, belly on him, huge gut and stuff. Yep. But this guy squatted a thousand pounds from the bottom position with only a weight belt. And, and he claims to be drug-free and I believe him, okay? That is redonkulous. <laughs> now, the interesting thing is, he eventually got to the point where he was doing all kinds of stuff, object lifting, steel bending, strongman events, and insane high rep body weight and kettlebell stuff. And he was merging it all together. Right. So I was like, this is amazing. This is, I want to be an ultimate machine. And his thing was he wanted to be able to express maximum strength or, you know, the best endurance he could at any point. You know, he said, I may not be the best, you know, long, long, uh, what is it? Endurance runner. I want to be able to hang with people who let's say play a game of basketball or running around or something like that. If I get, you know, into a gym and there's a bodybuilder there, I want to be able to keep up with the bodybuilder without dying. Cause I can't keep up with the lactic acid. When I get into a gym, there's a power lifter. I need to be able to hang with the power lifter. And right, he wanted to be right. able to do all of that. And that, that intrigued me. And sure enough, um, I mean, that type of training turns you into a machine. I mean, there really is no other way of describing it. It's, it's, it's pretty amazing. Right. So, so fast forward to today, yeah. to a certain degree, I'm still doing that. What ended up happening was um, I didn't understand how to program properly and I was redlining everything, right? right? I was trying to carry stone for maximum distance. You know, I was trying in minimum time, I was trying to, you know, max out on, on the power rack work. I was trying to max out on, you know, body weight exercises. You know, I mean, I was trying to mix it all in. Okay. And it got to the point where one week I'd carry a stone for half a mile, you know, 200 pound stone for half a mile in under 20 minutes. And then the next week, I mean, I couldn't even do half that. And I'm like, what the heck's going on here? I, I was just gassed. Well, it didn't take a rocket science to figure it out. I, I wasn't recovering. Right. Right. So then I ended up finding someone by the name of Josh Bryant, who's the man. Yeah. Um, and he really focuses on uh, powerlifting, power bodybuilding or power building. Yep. So I got hooked up with him and then he started, you know, program designing for me and I started learn more about how to properly, pro, you know, design programs and stack these different elements together and how, you know, it doesn't hurt to focus on one for a bit, build that up, maintain another type of energy system, and then change your focus around and kind of work your way up. Right. So, so for me, performance and strength has been, and, and endurance has been kind of the focus for a while. Uh, aesthetics is not something I, you know, scoff at. I know a lot of guys are all bodybuilding. They're just too weak to be, body, to be powerlifters, right? Right. Um, and, and that is something that I kind of will pay some attention to, but the reality is the type of training 
that I'm doing right now takes care of, of the muscle gains and stuff like that actually quite well. Yeah. That's that. I was actually going to ask that because that that's what I found. So, and we've talked about this before, but you know, my background was a bodybuilder. That's really where, where I started. Um, after I, you know, was dabbling in weights, I got into bodybuilding. And so my training is completely transformed through the years, but I found that the aesthetic components come from the style of training that I do. So by going for strength and for performance, the aesthetics come as a byproduct of that. Yeah, of so, course. And I mean, yeah. obviously diet has to be in there so you of can course. strip off the fat so you could show your muscle. Right. 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 Yeah. I mean, right. You know, for the most part, I don't stress out too much about being absolutely shredded all the time because that's just not where I'm at right now. I want to hit right. some goals right. first. Once I hit reach those goals, and it's very easy. Take a couple months. You could lean out very quickly because again, I'm not, I don't get ridiculous with my, with my diet. I don't really care for junk food anyway, right. right? but I don't get so out of shape that it's going to become a Herculean task just to strip it all off and ultimately you end up losing a lot of muscle, especially if you try to do it in a short period of time anyway, which is, you know, that's frustrating. So sure. I just, you know, just watch what I eat. I eat properly, have a proper diet put together and uh, just keep an eye on things. So let's dive a little bit deeper into your training. And I'm, I'm just curious because you talked about so many different components in your training. So Give us an example of maybe one of your most recent training sessions. I don't know if you trained today or yesterday, but what did that look like? And, you know, you don't have to go through all the reps and everything, but just sure. in general, what were the, the big exercises that you did in one of your recent okay. training sessions? Okay. I mean, it's pretty simple. Uh, the concept behind power building or power bodybuilding is this is a very basic way of explaining it. You power lift the main compound movements. So you squat, bench, deadlift, and overhead press, I mean, overhead press press is not technically a powerlifting movement in competition, but those main movements you power lift. So usually those are for lower reps. You're probably going to be in your doubles and triples most of the time. Many times uh, I'll, I'll work up to a very, you know, to a top set of a double or a triple, okay. a max set. And then what I'll do is I'll perform a bunch of speed sets after that, you know, three, four, five, six, all depending sets of probably doubles or triples speed sets. Um, then the assistance, assistant exercises, so stuff like, you know, various forms of tricep extensions, maybe dips, maybe pull-ups, uh, maybe pull-downs, maybe rows, um, glute ham raises, those type of movements, they tend to be more bodybuilding. What, you, what we mean by that is you got slightly higher reps and higher volume, and you're looking to develop that mass in those areas. So in general, that's kind of how things are done. Um, and, you know, I'll train in that manner, and then I'll also do some grip work. I do some neck work. Uh, and then I'll do some cardio, you know, some endurance training and the endurance training, the conditioning, I prefer to use the word conditioning. A lot of people don't, yeah. you know, they, they don't know if that means right. <laughs> like shredded because in bodybuilding, yeah. when you say conditioning, it means, um, uh, you know, how lean you are. Right. Right. So you know, in conditioning for me in, in fighting sports or, or a lot of sports, that means, you know, your endurance, right. 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 Um, you know, so I'll perform some of that, but again, because right now the focus is to get the max numbers up. I just kind of watch it. I just don't overdo that stuff right now. So favorite training tools, maybe top three tools, obviously the barbell. What else do you like? Oh man, that's, that's a good question. There's a lot of things that we can go into here. Um, <laughs> the barbell, I mean, look, it depends what you're trying to do. Okay. Uh, and some of the stuff I got from Bud Jeffrey. So for max top end strength, you can't beat a barbell. End right. of story. Yep. It's designed Absolutely. to be lifted and it can be micro loaded. Okay. So you can get like little tiny quarter pound plates that you could put on a barbell. Yes. Okay. When you combine that with a power rack, 
you just, I mean, the strongest men and women in history have been built using that combination. Get in a lot of food, power rack, barbell, plenty of iron, and you're good to go. Okay. Um, in terms of um, functional type of strength, and I know that word gets thrown around a lot, but when I say functional strength, I'm referring to the type of strength you could use like in the real world, not just like a one-time max effort and then you're gassed out. Right, yeah? right. For me, um, Bud Jeffries would talk about this again, and I got to give credit where credit's due. He really enjoyed strongman type movements. So you are probably carrying something or doing a medley of some sort where you're dragging something, carrying something, loading something onto a platform, just like you see in the strongman competitions. Right. And those turn you into an animal. I mean, it's just, it's just the truth, okay? Because you have a lot of strength and a lot of endurance to go with it. So, okay, now the question is, well, what implement? Because there are so many different implements you could use in the strongman world. I feel for the majority of people, you can't beat a sandbag. Now you have a couple options that are very similar. There's a sandbag, a stone, and a keg. Right. They, they, they operate very similar manners. They have slightly different attributes though. Yes. A stone is a stone. You pick that thing up, it's not going anywhere. <clears throat> it's, <laughs> right. it's solid, obviously, right? Right. A sandbag, you pick it up and it's just seeping all over the place. It's almost like melting in your hands. Right. Okay. So it's challenging to hold on to. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. A keg is fantastic because you can put water in it in addition to sand and then it starts sloshing around and it's almost like it's alive and it's like trying to, you know, bust out of your hands, right. you know, like a little like mountain lion or something like that. I think that's how Brooks Kubik described it one time. <laughs> so they're very similar. Now, a rock and a keg that's loaded with ballast, sand, water, whatever, you know, that can make some damage if it falls down on you, if it falls on the floor, it can really smash stuff up. Right, right. A sandbag, you don't have that problem. You could drop it right on your foot. And as long as you got sanded and you don't have like, you know, chunks of steel or, or plates in it, you know, or rocks, you're not going to feel it. So it's very forgiving in that manner. Um, and you can also do a lot of different exercises with it, including, you know, grabbing it and doing like curls and presses and shouldering it. And, and then depending on what you fill it with and how strong the bag is, you can even throw it and toss it. And Dan John talks about, you know, a couple of main lifts is really all you need to do. You need to pick something off the ground. You need to carry something for distance. I believe he says you got to put something overhead possibly. Yep. And I think the last one is throw things. And a sandbag, believe it or not, you put like rubber mulch in that sucker and you can throw it. And I got to give credit to Ross Enemit for that one. Okay. Because I tried it with sand on my own. And right. I mean, I, would, I was blown out, you know, I was, they were, the seams were just getting blown apart left, right, center. Then one day I saw Ross Enemit. Who's fantastic. Rossboxing.com. Yes. Guys should definitely check him out. Absolutely. Uh, Rosstraining.com is his other site. That's his main site, actually. Right. Uh, you, know, you put rubber mulch, you can do all kinds of cool stuff. So that's a wicked implement. Um, it's very safe and it's just, you could do a pile of stuff with it. Um, then the last thing I'd mention is kettlebells. Okay. Um, nice. I overlooked them at first because I heard of them before. Um, Brooks Kubik talked about them and, you know, they were, they've been around forever. And then all of a sudden they became this big thing and it seemed like, you know, just like, you know, people trying to uh, make money a quick buck off of something. It's kind of the vibe I got off of it. Okay. So I made the mistake of not really paying them much attention. I was like, oh yeah, I already know what those are, but I've never really used them. And then back to Bud Jeffries, I saw the way he was using them and he introduced me to the concept of high rep swings. Yes. (laughs) Very simple movement. So easy to learn how to do. And you do that for high reps, and I'm telling you, man, there's very little that'll turn you into the machine that that will. Yeah. Okay? It gives you tremendous endurance, melts fat off you, 
It gives you strength endurance because you're moving a weight for multiple reps. And it strengthens a lot of important parts in your body. I mean, it works your entire body, but it's working your grip. It's working the midsection, the back, lower back, all these important areas, the hips. And uh, like I said, I mean, it's very hard to beat. Um, and there's a reason why a lot of elite forces, like I believe the SEALs, the Russians, their special forces, a lot of these guys use like the snatch test, okay? right, where they right. do a kettlebell snatch for reps in a certain period of time uh, to, to basically determine the fitness of somebody. There's a reason for that. I mean, you just try doing a snatch with a 24 kilo bell uh, for multiple, you know, multiple reps, obviously in a short period of time and, and see how that'll leave. I mean, you'll be wiped within minutes. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Um, and a plate loaded kind of T handle device. You could see these things online or you can make them. They're really nice because you can do swings with them and you could adjust the weight. You're not going to be able to do some of the other lifts that kettlebells are awesome for because just the way that the, the device is designed, it's not going to really allow you to flip it around and stuff like that. Yeah. But, uh, but again, it's, it's a very handy way to do plate loaded swings, one handed or two handed without having to buy a whole set of kettlebells. Yeah. So you got barbell and rack. I kind of, you know, combine those as one, a sandbag and a kettlebell. And then you said three, but the fourth would be just your body because there are some movements that are probably impossible. Like for example, a one-handed, a one-arm handstand push-up. I don't think anybody's ever done that one yet. (laughs) Right. Right. So, so, but each one lends itself to certain aspects, right? Yes. You got to pick the right tool for the job. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's the bottom line. They're all great tools, you know, out of the ones that you mentioned, my, my favorites, um, are really, you know, body weight, barbell, kettlebell. That's really my, my approach. I, I love the concept of sandbag training. Personally, I just haven't really gotten too much into that yet, but I, I think it's a great tool basically for the reasons that you mentioned. And there's something very different and unique about uh, training with that tool with a dynamic, I guess the, the dynamics of the tool and the way that it constantly changes, you know, shape and you can manipulate it and do so many different things. So, Oh, and, and it can do things that you can't really accomplish with another tool. See, that's the thing about each of these tools, right? Uh, a kettlebell can't be used like a barbell and vice versa. And they offer certain as they, they offer certain benefits that you can't get in the other item. Some people say, yeah, but a kettlebell, you can never get super duper strong to squat a thousand pounds with a kettlebell. Yeah, true, but it's not supposed to be used to develop the strength to squat a thousand or deadlift a thousand pounds. Right, right. Okay, yeah. and then a barbell can't do what a kettlebell can do. Right. right. So, there, every each item has these benefits that you can pretty much, you know, it's difficult to to get out of another device. And a sandbag, I made the mistake of thinking a sandbag is fantastic simply because it's kind of hard to hold on to and press, and you know, it's challenging to work with. And then when you go back to a perfectly balanced barbell, it's very easy to work with. Okay. But the truth is, the guys at DVRT, um, they are Ultimate Sandbag, an awesome group of guys, awesome group of guys. Um, <clears throat> they've actually come into a way of using that sandbag, which is essentially like 3D training. So yes. a lot of our training is just forwards and backwards, up and down, but there's not a lot of rotation and side to side. Right. And it leaves you open for weakness, basically a, a gap, a chink in your armor. And using a sandbag will actually allow you to get around that because you can, you can do things with it that you can't do with other items. So just imagine doing like a lunge, okay? Now imagine you're doing a lunge, but you have a sandbag in your hand. And as you're doing the lunge, you're, you're twisting to one side with the sandbag. Now imagine the torque and the force that it puts on your body and how you have to keep yourself upright as you're moving the sandbag like that. If you can visualize 
that and imagine how that would work. You cannot achieve that in any other way. And it's, and there's many other ways that you can use it to develop strength and planes of motion that are hard to achieve with other implements. So I, I got to give credit to Josh Henkin uh, from ultimate sandbag training.com and the inventor of DVRT um, because he really opened my eyes to this, uh, you know, not to plug the show, but I had him yeah, on, yeah. on my podcast and you probably would want to have him on yours. Your audience would really benefit to listen to him. And yeah. I mean, he delivered a seminar in, in the interview that we did. I mean, it was really good. And he opened my eyes to a lot of that stuff. I didn't even realize that you could use it for those things. Yeah. I actually had Josh on, uh, some time oh, ago as well. And yeah, it was a fantastic, uh, discussion. Yeah, and we talked all about the benefits and the unique qualities of sandbag training. And, uh, so, but even before that, I mean, I was really sold on the idea, the concept behind it. I think for me, it's just a matter of really just focusing on specific goals with the barbell and the kettlebell. Uh, oh yeah, of course. And, and I mean, yeah, you don't want to yeah. get too sidetracked because that's exactly. another thing. Exactly. And, th- and that's really my whole reason I should probably explain right here you know, because I, I've been such an advocate of sandbag training, but I haven't gotten into it because I don't want to lose focus on what my big goals are, you know? But what, what I would say to you is you may just want to investigate it because you never yeah. know that implement may be able to help you achieve your goal that much quicker. And I don't know if yeah. that's true or not, right? but uh, you may want to look into that because um, it, I mean, he told me, for example, he took a guy who uh, was in the interview. I can't remember the numbers, but I mean, he was a big, big, you know, big numbers in powerlifting. Like, I'm talking big numbers, like six, 700 pounds in, in a lift. I don't remember which one it was. Uh, and, you know, he helped him add, you know, I mean, the sandbags alone didn't help the guy add 100, 200 pounds to his lift, but the guy did add a lot of weight to his lift. And a big part, part of that had to do with the sandbags and the way that he uh, was training them. Right, right. So you did mention the, uh, your show. So l- let's shift gears a little bit. Let's talk about the Super Strength Show. So uh, you're a podcaster. What made you decide to start this podcast? Uh, as you can tell, I love talking about training. <laughs> <laughs> and, you and I both. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, I mean, no better way to, you know, no better excuse to get to talk to the best of the best than by introducing, you know, inviting them onto your show. Absolutely. Uh, but the reality is, you know, it was not just a selfish reason. It wasn't just that. The reality is, uh, I think you and I may have talked about this uh, when I had you on my show afterwards, possibly. Um when I, you know, I remember when I was first training and it wasn't like, you know, way back when you little whippersnappers, you know, I'm not that old, but, uh, if I was, I actually would have had access to pretty good information compared to the information I did have access to. And that was the, you know, bodybuilding magazines we all would see on the racks. And the problem with those magazines was that the routines were not written by the guys doing the training for the most part. Okay. The old days, like before the sixties, you know, back in the fifties, forties, thirties, twenties, the routines that were written, a lot of people are going to say they weren't scientific. Okay, fine. Maybe they weren't backed by science, but they were written by the guys that were doing them and benefiting from them and they were producing results. Then you fast forward and you got these magazines, which were really the only source of information back then. And a lot of us grew up with them and we were not getting the best results that we could have gotten. And we weren't achieving the results we did get as quickly as we could have gotten them because we did not have the, really the proper information. You know, there was some misleading stuff going on. I mean, when you're a kid, you don't realize that the guys in the magazines, you know, in the competitions, you know, I mean, they're taking stuff that we're not taking, right? I mean, there's, I mean, the steroids involved in the game, that makes a massive difference to how you train, the gains you get and the way you look. So I said to myself, you know what? Um, I want to put something together where I bring on great guests, great experts with fantastic information that from a variety of topics, a variety of backgrounds. Right. And that way there, my audience can listen to these people. 
And if there's something that resonates with them, they could step forward and they could reach out to that person and either get, you know, some one-on-one type of coaching, online coaching, maybe buy one of their books, maybe just read some of their articles or shoot them an email. Surprisingly, a lot of these guys, I think everybody that's been on the show that I've ever asked this question, or they will usually offer, they will say, yeah, shoot me an email with a question. I'll answer for it. I don't have a problem with that. And they're genuinely there. They want to help people. Yes, they're, you know, they have a business. They're looking to, you know, earn a living from this. Right. And why shouldn't they, obviously? Um, but they are willing to help you, man. And I mean, you just shoot them a question, you know, an email with a question. And not that long ago, that was extremely difficult to do. You didn't know who to go talk to. Um, you didn't know how to get a hold of them. There wasn't that many people that were in this world, you know, in this type of niche anyway. Uh, and it was like the elite trainers were either with the elite bodybuilders or with the elite athletes. And how the heck are you going to get a hold of these guys? Right. Right. You know, and how do you get a hold of them? You don't even know who they are. So, you know, so we come to today and you go online and there's so much information. You know, people try to tell me all the time, oh, you can't sell anything anymore because all the information is online. Oh, really? <laughs> well, that's the, that's the problem. Everything's online. So how do you know what to choose? Right. Is it in a systematic right. structured system or is it just a hodgepodge of stuff? And I mean, you go online and within seconds you can get confused. I mean, how am I supposed to squat right. low bar, high bar? Is this article meant for somebody wearing gear like powerlifting gear or is it raw? knee wraps, sleeves, none of those belt, no belt, single ply, double ply, you know, hydraulic ply, you know, suits. I mean, it's confusing very quickly. I heard a great quote about that. And it's basically that we're drowning in information online, but we're starving for knowledge. And that is so true. Yeah. I mean, because there's so much out there, but how do you sift through everything and know what's legitimate, what's authentic, what works, what doesn't. Yeah. I mean, there's a ton of stuff out there, but it requires a lot of, uh, work and effort to really understand things and, uh, you know, who, who is very reliable and, right. um, it's, it's just a different uh, world we're living in today with the yeah. technology. Well, we I mean, I, I have an answer for that, but I'm going to hold off on it. Cause I have a feeling you're going to ask me a question related to that. I don't know for <laughs> sure, but I think you are. So, uh, if you don't, I'll make sure to provide that answer. Well, this might be the question. So let me flip down to that question. So you ask your guests a lot about a favorite quote that drives them, that drives their philosophy. So I want to ask you the same thing. So what's the quote, since we're talking about that, what's the quote that drives you and what you do? Well, I mean, I can't say that there's necessarily one quote. Um, you know, there's quite a few of them, I would say that some of them are related quite, you know, uh, to one another. Um, but I mean, a couple of them, one that's really resonated with me recently uh, Jim Rohn, a lot of people have heard of Jim Rohn and, uh, he's, uh, you know, he's passed away, unfortunately recently. Uh, and in his latter years, he had some very good information. He had really good advice he was sharing. And, uh, one of the quotes he said was the ultimate reason for setting goals is to entice you to become the person it takes to achieve them. So there's a couple other ones he says, and they kind of tie into each other. Okay. Uh, another way of, that he said it was your level of success will rarely exceed your level of personal development. Because success is something you attract by the person you become. Right. And then, uh, you know, then he says, don't wish it was easier. Wish you were better. Don't wish for less problems. Wish for more skills. Don't wish for less challenges. Wish for more wisdom. Right. Right. It kind of goes back to the concept of, you know, ask not what your country can do for you, but what can you do for your country? But how about you swap out the word country for yourself? Right. In a way. Right. It's like, 
you know, it's, it's kind of like, what can you do for yourself? Don't just expect something for free. And the concept that you have to improve yourself, you know, it's, it's, it's be, do, have. Yes. Right. And the whole concept of fake it till you make it, it's not necessarily 100% accurate. I'm not too keen on that because you really <laughs> need to become that type of person to start doing the appropriate actions to eventually get what it is that you want. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, you know, there's, there's other quotes. I mean, there's quite a few of them I could give you. Sure. Um, there's uh, a poem. I, I'm definitely not going to, you know, go over a whole whack of them, but I mean, there's a poem <laughs> that was written. Um, it's accredited to chief Tecumseh and it's longer, but I will essentially read off the last line. And it says, sing your death song and die like a hero going home. Okay. Now that sounds macabre. And it sounds like, geez, right? I mean, way to, way to fart in the punch bowl to party, right? <laughs> right. Okay. But the concept is the death song. What, what, what they mean by death song is it's essentially, what have you accomplished? What have you done in your life? What, 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 are, what type of person are you? Okay. That, that way there, when you do finally pass on, you're not wishing for more time because you've lived your life, a quality life. And it's not about how much money you made or how many, you know, toys you've collected, although that those are signs of success because you need to be a certain type of person and do certain things to achieve those items. But in general, have you lived a good life, a quality life, and have you minimized your regrets? Because ultimately, you know, I mean, I've talked to somebody who had said at the end, um, he's talked to people who, you know, they basically were close to dying or they had died and they've come back and he asked them, you know, what, what, what did you see? What, what was at the end of the tunnel? Was there a guy with a beard? Was it Jesus? Was it, you know, Buddha? Was it Muhammad? Who was it? Was it Krishna? Who was at the end of the tunnel? He said, many people told him it was, it was none of that stuff. What were you thinking? What was going on? I was thinking of my regrets. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. And, you know, I, this, again, this is kind of taking it down a dark path, but the reality is you need to kind of, you know, we need to wake up. We're, we're in a bit of a matrix here like the movie, right? right. And uh, some people want to come up with these conspiracy theories and look, I'm not here to say whether they're, they're true or not true. I don't know. All I know is that we have a lot more control over our lives than most people make it sound that we do. Okay? Absolutely. Yeah, and a lot of us are in cruise control. And, uh, you know, this kind of ties into another quote, Aristotle, I think it was, or was it, so I think it may have been Socrates, the unexamined life is not worth living. So, and that applies to all areas of your life. Right. Your training, yep. your relationships, your, the way you work. I mean, just all areas of your life. How are you doing? Right? Examine your life and, how, and then improve upon it. And then that in turn will help minimize, you know, those regrets you have at the end of the day. And you, you get to fulfill more of your potential and express more of who you really are. And I think training is one way of going about doing that. Yeah. I mean, I really, you know, there's so many great quotes there. I think the bottom line is just this whole training journey. You know, for me, a lot of what you just said really resonated with me because that was a big turning point for me several years ago is kind of the journey, you know, and who we become. And so training is, you know, it goes beyond just the physical stuff and getting in the gym. It's, it transpires to every area of life, right? I mean, 100%. That's, I mean, that's the whole thing is like my, part of my philosophy here on my website, you know, you go to my homepage, it's live your strength, discover your greatness. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that's what it is. I mean, that's, that's why you train. You don't train to go just work out, you know, just to say you had a great workout. You train to become a little bit better today than you were yesterday and just continue that process. 
And uh, so all of what you're talking about, and you know, it's just awesome stuff. All those the quotes and the, the meaning behind the things yeah. that you just said. Uh, totally, it's just totally I mean, good. live with purpose, right? Yes, absolutely. Uh, you know, and to kind of touch upon what you said. Unfortunately, a lot of people do just go to the gym and spin their tires. We all we all know them. I mean, every gym has one or more people or persons who have looked the same since they joined up years ago. They haven't changed, right? Right. And then uh, not only that, there's some people who are so dedicated to their training, which is fantastic, but unfortunately, they got blinders on and they don't they don't take the benefits and the skills and the lessons and all the things they're getting from their training. They don't take that and apply it in other areas of their life. Right. It's like squeezing, you know, an orange to make orange juice, but only squeezing it like halfway, not getting every single last drop. Out. It's like <laughs> right. leaving money on the table, right? Yes. It's the same yes. kind of idea. A lot of guys, I say this about specifically bodybuilding, especially when you get close to competition. That's about the, you know, most dedicated I think a person could be in many ways, you know, an average person, I guess, if you can even call that average, because you're on 24 seven. Your food, your training, your sleep, I mean, your supplementation, what, 20, your posing, I mean, it's 24-7. You were on for so many months prior to a competition. And that level of discipline, that focus, setting goals, putting in the work, realizing that only you can make it happen, using your brain, educating yourself, reaching out and getting the proper advice and help. Can you imagine if you apply that to every aspect of your life? It'd be amazing. Forget about <laughs> be, it, right? Yeah, right. Right. Exactly. So, so that's the thing though. Unfortunately, most people, they don't, and they just leave it at that. And they don't realize that, man, you're developing yourself into this, you know, this amazing tool. But, but I mean, you just, you just leaving yourself, you know, in the drawer, you're, you're limiting yourself to only doing something very, you know, basic and there's so much more that you can get out of it. So that's another thing I, I, you know, I kind of try to discuss on the show and I really hope people understand that and see that. I mean, the best example, I mean, is Arnold probably. Yes. Are you kidding me? And he says two things. You know, everything I, I, I attribute all of my success to what I've learned in the gym. And he also says to salesmanship, to sales skills, because right. every single day we're selling, whether we like it or not. Right? You want to get some digits, you got to sell her, right? Yeah. Or him, right? Uh, you you want to get a little something else after you get the digits, you're selling them, right? You want to, uh, you know, sell your boss on an idea, you're selling them. You want to sell, uh, you know, your friends on a, I mean, everything is selling, selling, selling. Yes. You know? and, yes. and not... You know, some people have a bad feeling, bad vibe about that, right? Oh, selling and sales is gross. Not really. Kidding me? I mean, that's that's, part of life. I mean, selling is is life. We're selling in everything we do all the time. I mean, yeah, it's interpersonal skills. It's negotiating. It's bad. I mean, that's all, you know, so, so, uh, I mean, that's, I mean, going back to the point we were talking about, I mean, that's what Arnie did. He took that skill set. And I mean, are you kidding me? Became, you know, a champion of bodybuilding took, you know, went from, and, and this is not being, you know, a guy that's like, you know, a huge, crazy Arnie nut. That's, that's not what it is at all. I just think what yeah. he's accomplished is amazing. Absolutely, it is. A lot of factors come into play there. You know, good timing. Um, he had people helping him. But trust me, the timing and the people helping him or that were there to help him, none of that would have mattered if he wasn't out there making things happen and putting the work in. Absolutely. So, I mean, the, one of the books that changed my life was uh, Arnold, The Education of a Bodybuilder. I've talked about that a little bit before, but I mean, that book single-handedly pretty much changed uh, my training career, you know, just kind of got me in the right mindset as a kid, as a youth, and uh, I've really never looked back. There were several lessons from that, not to get uh, too sidetracked into an Arnold talk here because I know we could definitely do that, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that book yeah, was just I mean, absolutely amazing. 
Yeah. And I mean, just to kind of fast forward, I mean, that book was written decades ago and just more recently he's been doing some videos online. I think, uh, maybe with muscle farm or, or maybe bodybuilding.com had something on the go anyway. Yeah. And he mentioned something again, he said, you know, when I, you know, how did you figure out what you want to do? And he said, well, you know, when I was younger, we didn't have iPhones and computers and the internet and, you know, tweeting was something birds did outside. <laughs> right. And I think that was his wording. Yeah. He said, I had time to myself to think, to unplug from the matrix, as I mentioned earlier, right. Yeah. To use a common yeah. um, term in the pop culture. Right. And uh, that's something that we need to do. And that, that goes to not just all aspects of life, but even for your training, you know, it's the way you're training because, you know, are you training the way you're training because that's how everybody else trains in your gym or that's because that's how your friends are training or that's how you think you should train. Are you training like a bodybuilder when you really want to be a power lifter or you're training like a power lifter when you really want to train like a gymnast or, you know, are you doing the CrossFit thing because everybody's doing it or are you not doing CrossFit because a lot of people are bashing it that are around you? I mean, what do you want to do, man? And then go out there and make it happen. Who cares what anybody else says? As long as you're smart and and intelligent about the way you do things. So you're not hurting nobody or hurting yourself. Right. Yeah. Um, or hurting anybody on purpose. Right. Cause some people might get all weird about it. You may have some friends that are so weird. They'll be like, oh, I can't believe you went to that CrossFit class. Right. Or I can't believe you went up on stage with painted on, you know, tanning uh, lotion or whatever the <laughs> heck and, and a banana hammock. Are you kidding me? <laughs> right. But if that's what you want to do, man, that's what you want to do. And yeah. you got to step up and make it happen. Yep. I'm really big on having a reason why behind everything you do. And as long as you, you know, you can answer that question and you understand why you're doing what you do, then it's right for you. And, but if you don't know why, then you need to reevaluate. If you don't understand, if you're doing it for the reasons you just said, because everyone else is doing it, or if you're not doing it because most people don't do it, you know, you need to dig deeper and really understand things. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Let me ask you, what, what has been your biggest challenge in your training career? Um, I would say most recently, it's been the fact that I went from, you know, when you're younger, you're going to school, um, you, you have a very set structure, you know, you're all like living at home, you got laundry being done and foods being cooked and whatever, whatever your day-to-day routine is, you fit your training into it. But then you get to a point where you have to head out in the real world. You have to get a, you know, you know, a job, maybe you get into a relationship with somebody, maybe you have children, whatever it may be. Maybe, maybe your job changes, maybe your goals in life change. Okay. And then that causes a bit of disruption in the routine. And if you're not careful, very careful, you know, very easily, you can start slipping away from the type of training that you really want to be doing or should be doing. And uh, some guys, I mean, you know, and girls that that's how they end up going, you know, from being a training, you know, fanatic to all of a sudden 15 years go by 10 years, five years go by. And they haven't, you know, they don't even look like they've ever worked out before because they haven't been training because bit by bit they got away from it. Yeah. And uh, you need to take into account where are you at the stage of life? What's going on in your day-to-day routine? And then what do I need to do to make sure I'm still moving towards my goals? Because otherwise you may not be able to get those two hour, hour and a half long workouts in, you know, four days a week or three days a week. You may have to chop it back to half an hour twice a week or something. And if that's the case, what can I do to make that effective? And there are definitely ways that you could make that effective. Okay. So that's something that I found was a bit of a challenge for me uh, because, you know, been a lot of changes going on and uh, having to, you know, you know, hold on to those reins and not let them get away from me. So how did you overcome that? Was it really finding more time efficient workouts? Is that what you're saying? Well, there's a couple different things for me. There was, uh, for me, ultimately what ended up happening was I just have to get up very early, get my training done very early in the morning. Okay. End of story. 
Yep. Uh, because with the type of work I was doing and whatnot, it could be very easy that my workday could stretch out well beyond the five o'clock hour. And it normally did anyway. Right. right. You know, I could, I could end up adding a couple hours at the end of my workday before I'd leave from work. And then when I get home, I have other work that I work on. So that couple hour window in between work um, would disappear on me. All of a sudden, oh, I can't train now. What am I going to do? Train at 11 o'clock at night? Well, I, I used to do that, but that's because I didn't have to get up the next day at the crack of dawn or before the sun rises and I could get away with sleeping in a bit. Well, you know, that's not feasible trying to get away with four hours of sleep or three hours of sleep, you know, for days. That's just not going to work. That's going to catch up and it's going to bite you in the ass. So yes. I just really realized, okay, I just need to reset the schedule here and just my training's got to be done first thing in the morning, which I normally train, you know, right after breakfast, you know, I'd let it settle anyway, but I had, you know, I had to push that training time way, way, way back. Like, I mean, and like the sun's not even up yet and I got to get my training in. Yeah. So how's that worked out for you? And I'm just curious about this personally. So I, I, for a couple of years, I was training very early in the morning and I recently switched to later in the day. Now I'm just mm -hmm. curious, how do you feel with the early morning training? Have you noticed any difference in time of day for you? Yeah. Okay. In terms of my uh, performance in the workout, I've noticed no difference. Some okay. people will say that they don't get as good of a workout. Now I want to make it clear. I am eating breakfast before I train. Okay. Right, right. And I am letting it settle obviously before I, like I'm actually having food, letting it settle. And then I, you know, I do some work in the meantime and then, you know, very quickly thereafter, because breakfast isn't a very heavy meal. It kind of, you know, digests relatively quickly and then uh, off, off I go to train. Okay. Um, terms of performance, not that much of a difference in terms of the rest of the day. Forget about it, man. The way I explain it is I get my training done. I go take a nice cold shower and I get that food into me and I feel like I'm shot out of a cannon yeah. to, to meet the day. I really, I really do. Now I also do a very small mini session later on in the evening, you know, some stretching and some little tiny things later on in the evening. Um, but, but by no means is it a full fledged, you know, like intense workout. Right. But, uh, right. but for me getting it done and out of the way, I just, it's just a completely different thing. Yeah. So, That's really yeah. interesting. So I would agree with the second part of that for me. So I noticed that training first thing in the morning, I felt fantastic for the whole day. The downside of training early for me is that my strength just wasn't there first thing in the morning. And it's not to say that I had bad workouts. I didn't, but my, I noticed that if I wanted to lift some heavy weight, it wasn't going to happen first thing in the morning. So that's really the biggest difference for me. Were you eating beforehand? Very light, very light meal. Yeah. I mean, I, I when I wake yeah, up, I'm I, hungry. I so I always have to have something uh, before yeah. I, before I train. Yeah. yeah. That, that, that may have something to do with it. You know, I, I was able to, you know, get my full breakfast into me, you know, and I eat, you know, like they said, eat like a king, right. For breakfast, <laughs> right. Eat like a prince for lunch, like a popper for, for supper. Well, I mean, I'm basically eating like a king all day long, but, uh, yeah. <clears throat> but maybe that may have something to do with it with me. I don't know. Other people who knows, maybe something to do with circadian rhythms and, and God knows what else, right. That's throwing you off early in the morning. Yeah. But, uh, I, I think it's definitely just a very individual thing and, you know, possibly. something we all have to experiment with and really find out what is the most optimal time for each of us. And certainly, you know, there's uh, situations that, you know, it's out of our control. Like you just mentioned, you have to train first thing in the morning. So yeah, if yeah. that's what you got to do, then that's what you got to do. So uh, that's, that's really the bottom line with that. Yeah, that's right. it. That's right. Yeah. Let me ask you, what was the big uh, turning point for you in your training journey? Like what was the aha moment where things changed for you? Um, I think, uh, as I mentioned earlier, and I was doing a lot of different things and I was trying to max my strength, max my endurance, you know, doing like a 70 pound kettlebell, 400 swings, you know, switching every 10 reps, 
my hand. So it was like 400 single arm swings uh, in like 10 minutes at the end of a pretty intense weight workout with heavy singles and you know, some five by five stuff and some grip work, some ab work, and then doing that three days a week and then doing a stone carry for distance and then a, you know, circuit training. Okay. At some point the body goes, are you kidding me? Like, come on. Um, and I just, like I said, too much redlining in too many different directions and my, my gains basically stalled. And then I realized, all right, I need to learn how to properly program my training and learn not only how to properly program, let's say, you know, a powerlifting routine, but know how to incorporate these different elements that I'd like to incorporate. So, uh, maybe some endurance work with the strength work, you know, some of the funky stuff I do, you know, and, and then learn how to piece that together. Um, and keep it simple, right? Right. Uh, yeah, that, that was important to me because otherwise I, I wasn't going to go anywhere because I didn't want to give up what I was trying to achieve, right? I was trying to kind of, to a certain degree, have the best of all worlds, right? Right. Um, and uh, yeah, like I said, that was huge. And then reaching out and finding somebody that could, that could help me out with it was really big. And you said Josh Bryant was the guy that helped you out a lot with programming. Yeah. And I mean, I've, you know, I've done stuff with, uh, with a couple of different guys. Bro, uh, Bud Jeffries was awesome. He was really, really great. Great. Like, just so gracious, man. And helped me out with some things. Um, and, uh, you know, I've, I've talked to Brooks Kubik before I called him when he was still practicing law and he answered some of my stuff. You know, I've talked to various guys before I had a podcast. I mean, this is going right. back a ways. Right. Um, but you know, when it came to really pushing things and especially in the strength department, uh, Josh is, uh, I mean, he's the youngest guy ever to bench press 600 pounds at like 22 years old or something like that. And he wasn't the only guy that did that. Yeah. He's got a whole cadre of guys, a whole stable of guys. Cause they're like, no joke. I mean, I use the word stable on purpose. like a bunch of horses, man, like war horses, <laughs> men and women, yeah. a lot of guys in powerlifting. He's got some bodybuilders, some figure competitors, and they just, it's just the guys on another level. And he's got a lot of, uh, alphabet soup under, after his name. He's not just a meathead. By yeah, no, he's fantastic. I have a lot of his work, a lot of his books and they're all fantastic. I had him on the show way back. That was some time ago, but, yeah. uh, yeah, it was fantastic. So, so uh, Josh, so, joshstrength.com. Check him out. His brother, noahstrength.com. Another great guy. Oh, okay, cool. Let me ask you, how are you better today than you were this time last year? In which ways? You name it. I mean, in, in your training, so pick maybe a performance area, a strength area, mobility. I mean, is there, you know, we talked about how we're always trying to better ourselves. Yeah. How would you say that maybe today you're a little bit better than you were a year ago? Yeah, form. Form, and in particular, bracing. Um, I really don't use a belt, and yeah. I thought I was bracing correctly before. Uh, but the minute I dialed that in, oh, it was like another, it was just unreal. I just started stacking on the weight onto the bar pretty quickly. Yeah. And, uh, it, it just, like I said, I thought I was doing it correctly, but I wasn't. Um, and, and you know, the minute you make a, something as important as that in terms of t dialing that in and getting that figured out, a lot of really important things happen. So yeah. I would say that is a big one for me form in general. And I would also say getting a better understanding of the difference between powerlifting and bodybuilding in terms of the execution of the exercises. Gotcha. Do you, do you prefer one over the other? It sounds like that you're more leaning towards more powerlifting type methods. Well, yeah, like strength and performance. Um, yeah, I, to me, I, I don't like the idea of having, you know, all show and no go look like Tarzan play like Jane and right. no offense right. to women out there because there are some women out there and I've had them on the show who are beasts and I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, they are just, they're kicking ass and taking names. Um, so for me, it's important to have that performance aspect. 
Um, but at the same time, I'm not really keen on looking like a slob either. Yes. Right? Yeah. So if I had to pick between the two, I'd probably, pick, I, I, I know I would pick performance. And when I say performance to me, that, you know, that means, you know, endurance and strength, strength, endurance, all that kind of aspect. Right. 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 So if, if push came to shove, I would go with that. How's your mobility? How would you say your mobility is? Uh, you know, I'd like to think my mobility, my mobility is excellent. Um, I've never had anybody that really, um, you know, assessed me. Right. Um, but I think combination of just possibly natural, you know, type of flexibility, yeah. paying attention to full range of motion in my movements and, uh, the background I had, you know, the athletics and martial arts and stuff really helped me develop a, you know, good level of mobility. Yeah. You know, I don't think I've ever asked anybody that question before, but I think it's something we can all assess, you know, like how, how do we feel that we move? I mean, do we move with ease? Do we move with resiliency or yeah. are there some issues, you know? So yeah, if I you're, think- if you're lumbering around like an arthritic, <laughs> you know, alligator, <laughs> right. You know, that, that's not good. That, that's a sign. <laughs> something's not right. And ideally you yeah. want to catch on to that well before you really should be moving around like a graceful, like, you know, like, almost like a, like a panther or like, even like a dancer. And I, and I don't care if, you know, some big 300 pound plus powerlifter snicker at that. The reality is the smart ones don't because they understand movement and ease of movement is very important to maximize their strength output. Let me ask you, what are the three to five things that you feel you have to do every day to have a successful day? And you've probably already talked about that training. I would imagine would be one of those things. What other things do you need to do every day to have a really highly productive and successful day? Okay. Well, um, first of all, you got to start the day right. And the very essence of that is waking up, right? <laughs> so you got to wake up. That's where it starts. But no, yeah. you know, yeah. But more, more importantly, you have to wake up at a time that's early for you. Okay. So um, everybody, you know, you hear a lot of people say, oh, you got to get up at five in the morning and this that, and the other. Well, that's not necessarily true. Um, although I, it probably be hard pressed to, to deny the fact that, you know, going to bed early and waking up early is good for you. When I say early, I mean, you know, like 10 o'clock at night or so, you know, you get to bed and you wake up roughly when the sun comes up, that's probably a lot healthier for you. Right. right. Um, but anyway, waking up at least, you know, a couple hours before you have to get somewhere. So you have time to get up, get your breakfast into you, potentially get your training in, get your meals put together and then plan your day. Um, and that kind of ties into the next item, which is planning the day. So you have to plan your day. I like to review my day at the end of the day and then set my goals for the next day. And then that would be another step. So that would probably be the second one. Uh, the third one. No, that'd be the third one. So, and then the next day in the morning, I would review that plan that I had set prior. So that way there, I got a plan and right away I'm off to the races, right? I'm not screwing around and wasting, oh, what am I doing next? What am I supposed to do now? No, no, no. I, I know exactly what I'm doing. Right. I'm not walking into the grocery store meandering around trying to decide what I need. I know exactly what I need. I'm in and out. Because right? I used to do the whole meandering bit. It's yeah. a lot of waste of time, man. Not good. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. So uh, where are we here? So we got, uh, you know, wake, getting to bed early. That ties into waking up early. Yes. Yep. Early. So to get to bed early, you got to have a routine set up. And I know there's guys listening to this. And trust me, I was one of them. Trust me. That thought it was ridiculous to get to bed early. And only old people go to bed early. Right. People that got nothing to do go to bed early. And maybe as guys, we have this, I had this, uh, somebody we know one time said this to me. She said, uh, guys seem to have the sense that they're going to miss out on something if they're, if they get to bed early. And, and, and I looked at her and I was like, yeah, you, yeah, I kind of, for some reason that kind of resonates with me. She's like, yeah. And uh, she's like, you know, a lot of guys, for whatever reason, they, they tend to be like that. And most guys, most people I know who are night owls are guys. So anyway, the reality is if you got goals and you got things you want to do in life, in all likelihood, you got to get up and get an early start to the day. 
And you're not getting up early and being full of, you know, bright eyed and bushy tailed and full of energy if you're not getting to bed early. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you don't get to bed early if you don't prepare to go to bed early. You know, if you're supposed to be bed at bed at 10, at 10 o'clock, you don't go, oh, it's time for me to go to bed. I got to go shower, brush my teeth, do this, this, that. <laughs> right, right. Because now it's midnight. Yeah, yeah. Are you it doesn't pretty, work. Are you pretty regimented in getting to bed at the same time each night? Um, I'm becoming more and more. Okay. I'm becoming more and more regimented, really trying to set up that, you know, set up that habit. I had a friend of mine, I got to tell you, I mean, he used to go to bed pretty darn early. He'd be up early when we were in school, right. in high school, junior high. We used to always make fun of him. But the reality is, here we are, fast forward all these years later, and it's like, yeah, yeah, it's kind of what we should have been doing. Now in high school, you know, I don't know. Makes a difference. People can argue you should stay up a bit more, but yeah, um, to kind of have fun with the guys on the weekend, I guess. But uh, look, have goals is another one. And having fun with the guys on the weekend is great. And you should have quality time with friends. But the reality is if you're having quality time with quality friends, you don't need as much messing around and horsing around time as you think. And you get a lot more time left to work on the things that really bring value to your life. Um, I don't know if that was five of them, but, uh, yeah, well, I said like three to five. So really the, the top line things, and I think you, uh, summarize the, the key things that you do every day. So that's uh, yeah. that's really good insight. Excellent. Cool. So I got a little, uh, rapid fire question segment here. And the first question, which you may have answered earlier, but the single book that's had the greatest impact on you personally would be what? Uh, in terms of training, training, training. You know what? That'd Actually, be- no, I'm going to retract that. Any book, any subject. Oh, man. It- okay. Well, oh, geez. There's, there's, I can give you a list of them, man, depending on what we're talking about here. For training, I'll say this with a caveat. Dinosaur training for me was a big deal because okay. it opened up my eyes to more than just the realm of just the bodybuilding you see in magazines. Right. So to me, that's extremely important. Now, I, the caveat is that you know, it doesn't go into tremendous detail in the programming and all of that other stuff. And it's important you go figure that stuff out too. Now there's a book out there called super training by Mel Sif. That's like a Bible. Uh, it's like a, like an encyclopedia almost. And yes. it is very dense reading and it probably takes a couple of times to go through to understand it. Um, and then uh, I know I'm jumping around here with a lot of titles, but Dan John is really big on keeping things simple. So I recommend any of Dan John stuff. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, that that and, I, and simplicity is important. But Jeffrey's got some great books. Again, simplicity. Okay, so I, I'm kind of giving you a lot of stuff here. Yeah, that's just, a lot of resources. That's yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah. dinosaur training for me really opened up my eyes to the realm of training, and I think for me that really set the stage. Uh, and prior to that was a book by Marco Lala, which I don't even remember. He's a martial artist from New York, from Yonkers, and uh, he wrote a book on strength training, and. He, at the time, I'm pretty sure was talking about, you know, he went to the library in New York and him and his friend, they found these old, old books and they found out how to train the old way and they got tremendous gains for natural lifters. And I'm pretty sure he was talking about the stuff that uh, Brooks talked about, but actually explained to you who these guys were and what these books were. So Marco would have been even, you know, Marco's book would have been even before Brooks. Okay. So dinosaur training was the book that I thought you would say based on what you said when we opened up the conversation. So but, uh, but all those books are fantastic. Question number two, this is a little bit different. So what's the number one thing that you do to focus on your health? Well, um, there's a couple of different things. Uh, I think there's, <laughs> there's the mind and the body. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So mentally you need to be in a position to be able to handle things without letting them get too crazy, stress the hell out of you. Okay. Right. Uh, being the kind of guys we are doing the type of things we do, men and women, we're probably a little bit more aggressive 
more type, you know, type A type personalities. You got to be careful that you don't allow those emotions to get a little too crazy when things maybe aren't going your way, really frustrate you and get to you because that's going to, it's going to burn you out. So that's one of them. So stress management is what you're saying. Yeah. You got to have a a resilient outlook. This doesn't mean lottie dottie. I'm just going to go, you know, chill in a hammock somewhere and not have a stressful life. No, no, no. That's not how it works. You got to know how to handle stress and be able to throw yourself into the fire and be able to handle it without freaking out. That's a great answer to the question, by the way. So um, in terms of health, that's one way, because I think stress, a lot of people don't realize it has a big effect on you. And then obviously there's your nutrition, eating properly. And then one other thing I would say, functional blood screening. Get on top of that. That's something I've recently started to get on top of. I'm sorry, repeat that? Functional blood tests or blood screening. where uh, Gotcha. Yeah, that, that's something we can be much more proactive. And I've just started to get into that. And I really think that is something that that whole concept of somebody being able to get their own testing done and see where they're at and then, you know, go, go about taking the steps necessary to get things where they need to be, you know, through natural and, and you know, food and training and exposure to sun and you know, maybe some supplementation. Where do people, staying on top of that. Where do people go for more information on that? Uh, I think the easiest thing to do is just to go to, uh, uh, just to Google and just put in functional uh, blood tests or functional blood screening. And okay. there's various people who, who can uh, provide you with information on that and, and uh, actually help you out. Like you can go to some people, usually not your regular doctor. Right. Normally okay. you would go, even a naturopath, I mean, they can order these things. And, and some doctors may as well, some traditional ones. Um, but it's very important you have somebody who understands how to read what the test is telling them. Got it. Question number three, if you could train with anybody for one day, who would it be? And what would you hope to learn at the end of the day? Man, Reg Park's a big one for me. Um, yeah, I think we talked about that during. Yeah, he's just, I mean, that was Arnold's idol. He was a complete animal. You look him up, the guy was just. Right. I mean, the definition <laughs> of, you know, raw power, right? Yeah. Just masculinity. I mean, the guy's just amazing. So what would you hope to take out of that? Like at the end of the day, what would be like a, a great day for you? You know, it's a good question. I mean, in training with him. You know, I want to, I want to say, you know, seeing his mindset would be interesting. Yes. I think that's very interesting. And, I, and, you know, I could say the same thing maybe about an Arnold, because I've had a lot of guys say some interesting things about Arnold that were on the show who actually trained with him. Right. And in the concept that I, I'm certain Reg was the same way, but I think Arnold was on another level because he was building on top of what Reg did. Right. He used Reg as his model. And for Arnold, every rep wasn't just to add an extra inch to his arm. It was taking him somewhere above and beyond that in terms of other goals. Yeah. Right. And to, just to be in that environment and see that dedication and focus, I think would be very interesting. And, you know, I mean, geez, I could list off a million guys from way back in the old days too. Yeah. Well, I think you're right though. And I would agree with that is, you know, understanding the psychology. So whether it's Ridge Park or Arnold, you know, to spend a day with them and understand their, their mindset, you know, from a day with training with them, that would be just unbelievable and would probably just completely yeah. change your life. <clears throat> yeah. Because again, like I said, right. I mean, Reg accomplished a lot in his life, movies and gym business and this and that. And Arnold, obviously we know what he's done. And, you know, to them, uh, their training and what they did with their training, it was an avenue to, to things above and beyond that, you know, that went way beyond just the gym, right. And having a good body and winning a trophy on stage. And it was part of a plan, especially with Arnold and to witness that and see that, I think that would be, be something, man. Like I said, a lot of the guests I've had on the show, they've all said, you know, when Arnold trained, I mean, it was at an intensity that was at another level. And I strongly feel it was because, again, 
every rep brought him that much closer to what his ultimate goals were. And they weren't just simply to win a trophy. Again, like I said, I mean, there was a lot more going on there. Yeah. I'm curious. So we're talking about Arnold here. So thoughts on pumping iron, and this isn't one of the rapid fire questions, but the movie, the movie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, like they said, it was a docudrama and that's important. A lot of people don't realize <laughs> right. that. Yeah. You know, um, classic, you know, yeah. the, the, uh, what's his name? Uh, the, the t-shirt really didn't get stolen. That was just oh, right, right. a joke. Um, you know, but, but it was interesting. I mean, look, uh, some people have some negative things to say about bodybuilding, whether it's the steroids or the fact that just pump up to look pretty into male beauty pageant. Right. Right. But the truth is that that put training in general on the map. And that really kind of started the public's fascination with training. And now look, I mean, anywhere you go, I mean, just turn on Instagram, yeah, <laughs> you yep, know, or yep. Facebook or any of the social media platforms. Everybody now is a, you know, a gym star. Yep. Pretty amazing. So. Yep. Final question here is, uh, if you had to describe your philosophy on training in a sentence or two, how would you describe it? In a sentence or two? Yep. Well, for me, my philosophy of training is, is, uh, again, going back to physical culture and physical culture is not just improving one's body, but it's one's body, mind, and, and soul. You know, it's like, uh, I guess it, you know what the, probably the succinct way of saying it is what the Greeks said. They said it, you know, probably the best, a sound mind and a sound body. Yeah. Okay. They both play off each other and they both develop one in another. Yeah. Awesome. And, and I think that would probably be the best way to put it. Yep. So again, your podcast is super strength show and your, the website is superstrengthshow.com. Where, uh, where should people start when they go there? Are there any episodes that they should check out if they haven't heard your podcast yet? Oh man, uh, um, <laughs> uh, this is going to sound self-serving, but there's a lot of good podcasts. I could tell you that right now. Yeah. Where would they start? Holy. Um, oh, you know what? The best place to start would go on the link. That's a top 10 podcast. There you go. There you there's go. probably a good place yep. to start. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, and that, that you could see that, uh, in the menu or, uh, if you scroll down, usually on the right-hand side bar, it'll be a little, you know, little option. There's this top 10 podcast start off there. It's a good place to, you know, kick things off. And then, uh, you know, we've got over a hundred shows on there, uh, so far and counting. Uh, so there's a lot of stuff to dig into. Well, let me ask you this. So let's just say out of that, uh, that top 10, maybe two or three episodes that stand out to you right now, as I ask you this question, where should people start? I'm sure they're all great as, and can I say the same thing about every guest I have, but if you had to say a handful of episodes, two or three episodes that people got to check out, what stands out to you where you would say to the listeners, go check out these two or three episodes right now. Wow. Okay. So many of them. Uh, I would probably <laughs> say Robbie Robinson's episode. That's one that just right off the top of my head sticks out. That was a really, really good episode. Yep. Um, I would say, um, I'd mentioned, uh, yeah, I'd mentioned Josh Hinber from, uh, from ultimate sandbag training, just because it opens up your eyes to the fact that not just a sandbag, but you should think about every tool that it can do probably a lot more than what you think it can do. And that was like a seminar, man. It was a really good interview. That one was really good. Yeah. Um, but I recently did one with Marisa Inda and guys, man, she kicks ass. And I don't just mean. I don't just mean the way she looks. I mean, she kicks ass, man. She's a beautiful woman, obviously, but very smart. And she's amazing with yeah. her training. She had some really good advice uh, in, in her podcast that could apply to any guy, even a guy who's, you know, you know, putting up some serious pig iron right now in any lift. Um, yeah. That was another one that kind of popped out to me. I don't think, 
I'm just trying to think if hers was released yet. Uh, I think it was. Yes, it was. Yes, it definitely was. Okay. All right. So there's a handful of episodes to, uh, to start with. And as usual, I'll have a link to your show in the show notes for this episode. Uh, anything else you want to say before I have my final question to wrap things up? It may depend on what the final, uh, <laughs> All right. the final one is. Yeah. So um, the big question I like to ask is, uh, what's the one thing that people need to remember or take away from this interview that they can take action with. Cause I always like to bring things together. Well, Hey, all this information was great, but mm-hmm. what do you do with it? What's the next step for someone that's listening to this right now? Okay. Here's the next step. Depending on the information you're getting, whether it's through your fantastic podcast, okay. Mine, you know, any, anybody's podcast or any articles, any books you read, any of that stuff. Okay. You're going to find out there's multiple ways to train. If one of those methods resonates with you, Olympic weightlifting, CrossFit, powerlifting, bodybuilding, whatever it is, if one of those, you know, triathlete, right? If one of those resonates with you, the next step you need to do is find the best resource for information. Okay. And I always say this on the show, the only quote unquote shortcut, the closest thing you can get to a shortcut is to do it right the first time. And the only way you're going to do it right or come close to doing it right the first time is to have the best advice possible. That's going to come from a mentor. And a mentor is somebody who's been there, done that, has taken others to the promised land and can come back and do the same with you. And ideally they've taken others like you or that person that the mentor, he or she was in the same position as you were in. And they, therefore, you know, for a fact that they could take somebody like yourself to the ultimate goal that you want to, you know, the ultimate destination you want to reach. And I mean, I say this almost at the end of every show. And the reality is that a lot of us, we will train. We won't know exactly what we're doing. We talked about this earlier. There's a sea of information, drowning in information, dying, you know, we're dying for knowledge though. Um, you can get frustrated very easy because you're not getting the results you want. You need to think about training, how to structure your training, how to do the movements properly, the proper form, nutrition, how to pack your nutrition, how to make sure you're cooking everything correctly. You need to ingrain new habits. There's a lot of stuff and you do do it bit by bit, baby steps. So don't get too overwhelmed with that idea. But what I'm trying to say is it's a lot to take on if you're not used to it all. So if you can find someone who's been there, done that, it's taken others and can do the same for you. It is one of the best things you can ever do. Yeah. That's awesome. uh, Yeah. And then, you know, depending on how you do and how you enjoy it, you know, you may decide, you know what, I enjoy this, but I want to try something else. That's fine. Just repeat the process. Find somebody else you know, who's, who's a fantastic coach that can help you. And they're out there. There's a lot of them out there. Absolutely. So that, that is fantastic. And I just want to recap that. So number one is to get a mentor in the area that you want to excel with number one. And number two is what I really liked what you just said about taking baby steps. So don't try to do too much, you know, take this from a long-term perspective and, you know, don't, don't try to look for the shortcuts. Yeah, you can yeah. do a lot in 12 weeks. There's all those 90-day challenges, and you can definitely yeah. do a lot. You can strip off some fat and look really good for the beach, but the real, real results and the real benefits to your overall health and quality of life and just yeah. life in general, that's the long game. This is going to be something that becomes a part <laughs> of your health. It's like brushing your teeth or taking a shower. Absolutely. It's really how you should think about it. Absolutely. Yeah, so uh, that's, uh, you know, that and, and, and do what you want to do, right? Ray, this has been great, man. So glad that uh, you came on here and uh, definitely... For my listeners, check out the Super Strength Show. There's a lot of great podcasts out there, and uh, that's definitely one that that I've heard your show, Ray, and uh, would definitely recommend it. So check it out. And uh, Ray Tolini, thank you so much. Appreciate it. 
Thank you, brother. I really appreciate it doing this and uh, love to have you back on anytime. You got it, brother. All right, guys, I'm going to wrap up episode number 148. Thank you for joining me this week. Be sure to check out Ray Tulaney and his podcast, The Super Strength Show. Again, he does a fantastic job. If you have feedback for the Ardella Training Podcast, please catch me at facebook.com forward slash Ardella Training or shoot me an email through the website at ardellatraining.com. And of course, stay tuned for December the 15th when the new book, The Edge of Strength, comes out. I'll have much more to talk about in the uh, upcoming weeks, and I'm really, really excited about the new book. So that's it for this week. Guys, thank you for being here, and I'll see you next week on the Ardella Training Podcast. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Ardella Training Podcast. Go to ardellatraining.com right now to join Scott's tribe of passionate fitness enthusiasts. Get valuable updates and resources that will help you take it to the next level. Train strong. We'll catch you next time on the Ardella Training Podcast.